there we go. Ha ha ha. Oh my god. This is uh, this is kind of a dream come true, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So this is pretty cool. Let me move this thing. Uh so today on the podcast, everybody, we got uh Brad Jensen, key nutrition. Uh if you guys don't know who he is, Brad's a uh Social media influencer, I, w- I would. No, I yeah, I'm gonna go with that one. <laughs> I'm, I'm going with that one. Um, but Brad uh, owns, operates, founder, Kinutrition. Um, Kinutrition is a. Well, how would you how would you describe Kinutrition? It's a fitness nutrition coaching company. There we go. Fitness nutrition coaching company. Uh, we're joined with Alan. My uh, co-host. <laughs> co-host. I heard he's the legend, man. <laughs> Alan, I saw him. Alan I got nervous. Alan is a legend. Utah's very own, man. Yeah, Utah's very own. Um, so, awesome. Today, okay, this is good because I do want to talk to you about some stuff. <clears throat> um, I mentioned it last time on the podcast because I did name drop you on the podcast last time. Um, but what I mentioned was, and this is big, especially right now with real estate and because this is an entrepreneur podcast. Entrepreneur, entrepreneurialism. Would that is that how you say it? Sure. Okay. I think I said entrepreneurism before, and I think that's incorrect. I think it's entrepreneurialism. I could be wrong. Yeah. I mean, we'll go with that. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> either so, way, either way. So, but but <laughs> what I find for me, um, and I've been doing a lot of research lately, is the uh, cognitive function, uh, like you said, natural. What do you want to put medicine? I don't know if it's medicine or we can call it supplements. Yeah, <laughs> we'll call it supplements. Um, supplements. And for us here in real estate is, is, I think, crucial for us to work on our mentality. And that's why we're so excited to have you in the podcast. You know, we talked about this before. It was like, man, like, yeah, now we're working on our nutrition. And we have been, Alan and myself, both go to Key Nutrition. Yeah. Yep. Um, and we, you know, do work there, which has been great. I've lost 33 pounds, which is pretty cool. Yeah, dude. Um, and uh, I really haven't done a lot. Like, I'm not really trying, to be honest with you, but because the little differences that they made, Justin, in my nutrition, like, it's just coming off. Like, the weight is coming off. And it has helped me in not only uh, work, right, Um, physical confidence, obviously, but mentally, right? It's helped me a lot with my cognitive function. So because I've noticed a difference there, I'm like, hey, you know, I want to shift focus and start focusing on my cognitive function. What kinds of things can I take to help me um, focus, uh, be more effective, be more efficient, and also be more on top of it, right? When I uh, am working, prospecting, working with clients, and I've been doing supplements, and they've been helping, but um, I know there's a lot of things out there people can take. So I wanted to get your take on this, number one. We'll go into this, but you have your phone on silent too? Yep. Okay. Um, but I do want to go into uh, your story, right? Your story, because it's a pretty fucking dope story. Yeah. It's a really dope story. Um, very inspirational story. And uh, where you are today is a lot further than where you were <laughs> like say, yeah, 10 dude. years ago, right? So <clears throat> I want to hit on that, obviously. Um, and we do have new equipment in the studio, so we can go a lot longer than our 30-minute episode we did with yep. you, Alan. Um, so... You know, as long as you have the time, I think we should dive deep. 
30 minutes, man. Why you got to cut the man off for 30 minutes? <laughs> cut me right the off the at camera. 30. Yeah, it was, wow. it was the camera. It was the camera. The camera had to cut us off. Wow. I was just getting warmed up as well. <laughs> Seriously. Don't worry. We'll have another one coming just up. close you out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Um, no, I'm stoked to be here. Sorry, I don't know if you were dumb, but I'm going to start talking. No. Do your thing. It's <laughs> what happens when you got a, a guy who's done. I think we're on episode 206 of our podcast. Yeah. Um, I think I'm running the podcast, so just put me in my place occasionally yeah. here. No, I'm actually pretty good at just listening yeah. and letting you take the lead. But uh, real quick note on your um, your nutrition. I think you're actually doing a lot, but you've always thought it had to be this extreme measure. I mean, you cut my hair for a lot of years, yeah. and it was like you were always doing these crazy things, and then you were off the wagon, then you were on. Uh-huh. And I think the beautiful part is when people realize that nutrition – it's about small, simple, and consistent changes. It's not about doing the big, sexy thing. It's like, and and I mean, dude, you probably am, you've changed your probably your diet, hundred and eighty yeah. degrees. You just enjoy what you're eating, so it doesn't feel like a chore. Yeah, and that really what it is. It, that really is what it is. Like I'm eating these rice cakes yeah. that are like caramel rice, and I've always liked rice cakes, <laughs> but I thought that the caramel ones you couldn't have, and the cocoa or the chocolate ones you couldn't have. I was getting the plain white ones. That oh, were like, dude, that's the like worst, shit. bro. Just go to jail at that. Yeah, point. <laughs> yeah bro. But I would do that, and I was thinking, well, I can't have that because it's sugar. And but I mean, the stuff I'm eating is insane. Like I'm and I'm eating a lot, mm-hmm. and I'm loving it. Like I'm eating. I, I I avoided rice because I thought that rice was a carbs, and carbs are bad. Right? I did think yeah. that. Right? And you don't I've know what you don't know. Way more carbs, and I've been losing a lot of fat, and it's fat that I'm losing. And I'm like, holy shit, this really works. Yeah. So yeah. So dude, I'm so blessed to be able to know you guys and be able to go there and participate you know we appreciate you guys support yeah program so justin's the best one there he is i mean outside of of me but huge shout out to justin as well yeah justin is justin (laughs) is so good every time i'm there he's slammed and then the the other offices and i'm not putting down any other the coach any of the coaches but a lot of the other offices are empty and i'm like what's going on over here why is Justin slammed 24 7 8 o'clock at night he's still here yeah so yeah oh yeah dude they all file out about four yeah so i own the joint somehow i'm there till eight you know yeah and uh, Justin, that's about it. <laughs> yeah, he's always there. But, you know, I mean, it's a direct reflection of the fact, you know, what he does in a yearly basis compared to the other coaches. Yep. Yeah. There's no secret sauce. He works his ass off. Yeah. And he's passionate about that, which you can't teach. I don't know if uh, you, know, you can't teach that passion when it comes to a trade like nutrition. And, like, he, he has that. He's passionate. I mean, he was my client for three years straight. That. Okay, I think he took a three-month break one time. Dude was obsessive. He would come in, <laughs> and he came in week after week after week, and then uh, and he got so passionate about it, and he was like, "Dude, how do I do this for a living?" Told him where to get certified, and I didn't think he'd do it. Calls me up two months later. He goes, "Bro, I'm certified." I didn't own my own place yet, and I was like, "Ah, well, I don't know. I guess just work out of your house, dude. I'm working for somebody else." Yeah. And uh, he did that for a minute, and then I opened Key, but he had moved back to California. So, anyways, about a year in. He decided to move back, and he said, "Will you give me a job?" And I said, "In a second. And within six months, he was my top producer. Yeah. So he still is. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hands down. <laughs> the dude's a boss, bro. Yeah, yeah. He's a boss. We're gonna so, have we're gonna have him come in and do like a because you guys do that, right? You guys go out and teach at like a, yeah at brokerages and different yeah. places and offices. We and, used to do it a lot before yeah. COVID. Podcast. You know. What the podcast has to take a lot of your time. Oh yeah, it's got to take. A, so I'm. This is new. And I'm over here like I'm panicking when I don't have guests, and I, and I got like four guests lined up in, in in advance, but I'm like, how far out do I have to schedule my guests? 
Are you asking me? Yeah, I'm asking oh, you. Oh, don't, don't ask me, bro. Who schedules it? Yes. Bro, I mean, I, I'm my assistant and me, but I fly by the seat of my pants, bro. Oh, man. So at one point, I was out 12 weeks. Am I be cracking in here? No, you're good. You're good. I can. I turn like it to down. yell. Yeah. Okay, so I'll turn it down. Sean, my podcast editor says, "Dude, like I, your voice compared to everyone else's is the loudest. Just a whole nother lot. Yeah. I'm yeah. trying to not talk so loud, but okay, I'll turn it um, down. Okay. A suggestion on that. I was out 12 weeks one time with guests. That's too far. Too okay. far. You know, sometimes people are talking about something that's relevant. In that, t- like, one of my clients was talk, or one of my guests was talking all about Fourth of July, and then yeah. I aired it in September. It doesn't make, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what did you do for the Fourth of July holiday? I'm like, you know, so. Um, but I think. Whoa, there we go. No, no, is it good? I- I'm playing with the audio. Yeah. Go okay. Ahead. Are you gonna edit that part out? It's it, it'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is this is a real podcast. It'll be yeah. Fine. It'll be good. Um, I think like two to three weeks out, but. Yeah. Yours is a little different because we're doing a video podcast. You guys are doing uh, all audio. So you, I, and I noticed that you're like really hell bent on having great audio. Yes. Right? Yeah. So like the cracking and stuff, we'll, we'll get used to that. <laughs> yeah, we'll get used to that. <laughs> we need to get on iTunes though, right? You guys are on iTunes? Got to get on iTunes. Yeah. I'll show you how right after. Dude, show me. Have to. Show me. Yeah. Kay. I definitely want to do that. And we'll work on the audio too because these mics are really cheap. And we got paid like 50 bucks a mic or something. Okay. They weren't that much. We'll get some really good ones. Um, but going back to you and your story, you haven't always had key nutrition. Have you always been in shape? No. So it was a, a, four to, a 12 to 14-year-old kid. I was at that awkward chubby age. Like, uh, <clears throat> you know, I felt like I was the fattest piece of shit alive, right? And looking back at pictures, I was a typical awkward 12-year-old who hadn't hit, like, hadn't hit puberty, hadn't hit a gross. I was overweight. But I thought when I looked in the mirror, like I was massive, like I was a chunky kid. I was not even, I wouldn't even label me as a fat kid. I hate that word, especially when we're talking about kids, but I was chunky. Um, And I'd wear the black t-shirt to the the swimming pool in a hundred degree heat, like I was that kid, right? And I was really self-conscious and that's actually where I started kind of experimenting with with, um, alcohol, was at that age, but, and um, was drinking and, you know, we were sneaking in for my mom, uh, my buddy's mom's liquor cabinet, you know, like 12, 13 year olds. And and uh, then about I was 14 going on 15. I was in Barnes and Noble bookstore. And if it, if it was today, I could have just Googled all of this. It was like 1996. Right. <laughs> and so I'm in there. My mom's looking for a book and I'm in the magazine aisle and I see a muscle and fitness. And I look at it. And I look at this jack dude on there. It made no sense to me. As a sh- I just said, I- I'm going to look like that guy. And I pulled that magazine off and I started reading. And it was like the first time in my whole entire life to that point that I had been passionate. I was passionate about something. I was fascinated. And so I kept going back on my bike to the bookstore to read. And I read the whole encyclopedia bodybuilding in a week. I didn't have any money to buy it. I was oh, 14 wow. going on 15. And so I started to apply these things that I was learning. And had this huge transformation and was like, wow, there's really something to this. Little did I know that, I mean, I was walking around as a sophomore in high school, eating tuna fish out of a can, walking through the high school, wondering why no girls would talk to me. Like, it stinks like yeah. shit. Yeah. <laughs> smell like tuna. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they don't want that. They're already trying to not smell like that, yeah. you know? And, um, <laughs> and, you know, I also hit a growth spurt. So what happened was, 
You know, my friends used to pick on me. Now, I wasn't bullied in the sense of, like, shoved in lockers. I was part of, like, the cool kids club. I was just always kind of, you know, the joke. Like, mm-hmm. oh, we ordered too much pizza. That's okay. Brad's here. He's fat. He'll eat it all. <laughs> and I'm like, that's not funny. Like, yeah. and uh, I hit this growth spurt. And and while I was, like, dieting, not eating enough food, I didn't know what I was doing. I was, like, doing a bikini chicks diet out of the magazine. And so then my buddy started teasing me for being too skinny. And I was like, these sons of bitches, I cannot win. <laughs> and so I remember all in the magazines talking about how important weightlifting was. And so I started getting back into weightlifting. I started getting into weightlifting. And in a matter of a summer, I transformed my body, came back my junior year. Uh, the hottest girl in school, who I sat right behind in math class, didn't even know who I was. Thought I was hot, and she thought I was a new kid. I was like, hell no. I, like, asked for her pencil, like, three times. What are you talking about? <laughs> I had no clue, <coughs> no clue who I was. And that was like, I was like, I'm in this. So I went full bore. So that was 17 years old. That was a really long way to tell you that, you know, um, I was pretty jacked. I look back at pictures of me as a senior in high school. I mean, yeah. I was pretty jacked. I worked yeah. on the weekends as a busser at a restaurant, but I just went to the gym after school, if I went to school. I decided to not go to school a lot um, for like two or three hours. I cooked all my meals, brought everything prepped. I was, I was a savage. I was <laughs> oh, way man. more committed. And so th- I've been, I've been in shape. I mean, really like working out since, you know, sixteen and um, thirty six now, so twenty years. Wow. There's a few year gap in there, which I can explain. But yeah, um, and I'm sure we're gonna get to that, <clears throat> right? Yeah. So before. You got into because you've been in nutrition a long time, been in fitness a long time, but before you got into the business of nutrition and the business of fitness, um, what were you doing? Did you get a job out of high school? I mean, what what was your your careers like? So, dude, my very first job was when I was a senior in high school. I started. I I realized I hated school, like I had no desire to go to college. I was like, why? I hate high school. Why would I yeah. go to college? Like this sucks. Yeah. Um. And so I, I studied and got my NASM personal training certification before I even graduated. So right after I graduated, I got a job at Bally Total Fitness, which used to just be right down the road here. Do you remember Bally yeah, Total Fitness? Yep. Jazzercise, OG, the whole yep, works. Yep. So I got a job. That was my first job. Well, outside of that busing job, was that was my first experience into the fitness industry was as an 18-year-old kid personal training at, uh, at Bally Total Fitness. Oh, wow. Dude, so you jumped right into the fitness industry and started working as a, as a, as an employee. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. You did tell me that in the past, but I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah. I just in one ear and out the other. <laughs> I thought maybe you did you do the call center thing. I mean, what was your? No, I mean that was it. So you stuck I, to that. No, I. I mean, in between there, you know, I mean, I ended up, uh, you know, I, I, because of my drug use, which I'll get into right here yeah. in a sec, was, yeah. you know. I, I had to keep kind of switching jobs for a minute there. Uh, you know, I I worked at uh, 1-800-CONTACTS for a minute until I nodded out of my desk like too many days in a row, so they fired me. <laughs> and then I got a job at Ethan Allen moving furniture, but I dropped so many pieces of furniture, they fired me. Oh, it was wow. too high. It was wow. too hard to carry those armoires, man. Wow. So let, let, let's jump into that then, right? Because, I mean, that's a big part of your story, and I, that's why I honestly feel like you're – such a big inspiration because you went through that um, difficult part part of your life where you were a junkie essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so, how the hell did that start? You, you said when you were a kid you started drinking at a young age, right? Was that at twelve years old when you mentioned? Was that when you seriously yeah. started to 
Yeah, yeah, started to mess around with it, you know, and I came from a good Mormon family, so, like, and I was the youngest of five, and at that time, like, I mean, they were all devout in their faith. I mean, now it's just my lone father, but, uh, you know, I, and so I, like, knew I couldn't do it, but I did it anyways. It was this rebellious streak, but, um, but I liked it, but when I started studying on nutrition as a kid, 15, I realized I, I read a whole thing on alcohol and how bad it is for building muscle. So I interpreted that as I can never drink again or I'll want biceps. So I just quit and I wouldn't do it. So I'd go to these parties with uh, these muscle milk ready to drink. Like, you know, those like protein yeah. shakes you buy oh, yeah. and like, and I'm going in there drinking that, you know, why they're all drinking ju- jungle juice or whatever that shit was called yeah. and, you know, kegs and, and, uh, I'll never forget it. It was like middle of my junior year, end of my junior year. We pulled up to this party, and my buddy, before we got out of the car, he looked at me. He said, dude, I got to be honest, man. Everyone talks shit on you when you leave. I'm like, what do you mean? They're like the meathead with the muscle milk. And you're like, (laughs) you come to a party, and you drink a protein shake. And I was like, well, dude, I can't drink, man. I got back and biceps tomorrow, bro. I was just a total gym bro. Like, I loved it, dude. And uh, he, he, he looked at me, and he said, hey, I got these pain pills. And, dude, this is, even at this point, and this is how quick it took off. This is how naive I was. I said, oh, I'm not in any pain. And he goes, no, bro. They'll fuck you up. Can I swear in here? Yeah, I just did. Bro. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're good. Um, he said, they'll fuck you up. Yeah. And I was like, what do you mean? And he said, they'll make you feel like you're kind of drunk, but no hangover tomorrow. I said, in, give them to me. Took them. I think it was two of them. And I remember about 45 minutes later, they hit me. And I looked at him. I was like, dude, this is the feeling I want the rest of my life. Oh, like, wow. I loved them. I felt like I, in that moment, I had arrived. I was like, I'm jacked, I'm fucked up, and I feel great. Oh, wow. And it just, I mean, that, and this is how quick, and this is why I believe that, I think that there's definitely a, a brain component to addiction, and I, and I fully believe now today that I was born an addict. I look at my behaviors as a kid, my obsessive compulsiveness, and like how hard I went into fitness as a 14-year-old. Like, yeah. it was addictively. And... uh the next day, I said, bro, get us some more of those. And he said, oh, I can't. I stole them from my mom. So my jackass goes, all right, cool. He's like, I'm like, well, you want to hang out? So I go over there, wait for him to go to the bathroom. When he goes to the bathroom, I go to the cabinet, I get more. Like, that is not normal that you take them one time and the next day you're robbing your buddy's mom's cabinet. Yeah, wow. Like, but it didn't seem like a problem. I'm like, well, I mean, she's not going to notice, right? And so it took off from there. And um, by the time I was a senior in high school, um, a bunch of these these older guys who I thought were so cool. Like, I looked up to them. They were losers, turns out. But yeah. they, um, they talked me into going down basically as a mule to Tijuana, Mexico, and going to the pharmacias and taking off my door panels and loading all these drugs up. Um, steroids, somas, oxycontins, like, you name it. Wow. Putting my door panels back on and driving through. So I do it, and I'm kind of nervous, but I get, it, I get through. So I bring them back, give them their stuff, the amount that I got out of that for the, I mean, it's a 14 hour drive from Salt Lake City, dude. I had to wear a pinata, the whole works. <laughs> was so minuscule that I immediately, my entrepreneurship kicked in. Like at that moment, I was like, wow, they're getting fucking cut out. Yeah. I know how to do this. Yeah. I know exactly how to do this. Fuck them. So I talked I didn't to my know buddy. That. So I never knew. So you never mentioned that. So you actually went to Mexico to the pharmacies. You didn't need a prescription for anything. You just walk right in. Yep. So was it like the veterinary pharmacies? I've heard of these. Or is yeah. it real? No, both. Oh, wow. Both. So you're hitting the animal pharmacies. Yeah. And, and back then, 2002, it was a little more loose even than it is today. 
um, wow. as far as at the pharmacias. And they just wanted American dollars, you know. They didn't care. Wow. Wait, wait, go, go back, go back a little bit. It went from, because that went from zero to a hundred real quick. <laughs> it went from the medicine cabinet to getting that one to being the mule. Yeah. How did that happen, dude? Yeah, I mean, from that, from, from that point to that point, um, I sought them out whenever I could. Yeah. But I, I could probably get them two or three times a week. And, and I noticed my doses going up, but I didn't have the funds to afford it more or really the resources at that time. And so, you know, I was doing them whenever I could, but luckily for me at that point, I wasn't doing them enough that I was getting addicted because I would never like be able to stretch a lot of days in a row. Like uh-huh. I do them like Saturday and Sunday and then maybe not have them again until Thursday. And then when I was a senior and, uh, I was I got introduced to these guys. These guys ended up having me go down, and they uh, they introduced me to like OxyContin at that point. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Instead wow. of like just Lore tabs and Percocets, and um, and I started doing more of it. But again, couldn't like really hang. And I'm like, dude, is there any way I can get like in? I need to like make some more money because I I can only get these like here and there. Yeah. And uh, that's when they pitched me the offer. So probably for that six or eight months in between, it was just I was trying to get them whenever I could, but it was probably just a couple of times a week. So oh, wow. maybe three. This is back in 2002? Two. Yeah. 2002. Roxy's, when did, when did Roxy's come out? Because so I started to notice a lot of my friends who got hooked into, you know, um, what do you, how do you, what, what is it? Oxy, not Oxycons, what's the name for that? Opioids, yeah, opiates, opiates, yeah. opiates. Okay, is it opiates or opioids? Yeah. Same thing. Okay, um, they were doing the, the Roxy's. Was the Roxy after the Oxy? Yes, Roxy okay. was after the Oxy. So okay. this is back when they just had the pure Oxy with the they had like the pink, uh, you know, the different colors for the eighties, forties, twenties, and uh, and those are the ones that you could crush up and snort. Yep. So the Roxy's you couldn't crush up and snort. Yeah. Was that the difference? Well, you still T- could. Time release or some You just had to suck off the cut time release thing. Okay, okay. See, there's, there's a science to this shit, <laughs> yeah. right? There is a science Come to on, this bro. shit. Come on, bro. Yeah. Okay, so so I had a lot of friends who were hooked in that stuff. I watched these guys go from very successful overnight to, like, all of their money going only to this. I mean, they were no more money for food, no more money for rent, no more money for paying bills. Literally, they're making 100000 a year. Hundred thousand a year is going to opiates, and I have a lot of friends that have done that, and and, and I watch that 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 spiral. So I know how expensive it can be, and I, so I'm trying to put myself in your shoes, where I'm like, dude, if I want to do more than two or three a week, I'm gonna have to make some serious money doing this shit. So the next level up is selling drugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and did I, you know, I mean, you get it. Like it just wasn't. Uh, but I think that that's – I think – I th- really believe that every decent drug dealer is actually a really good entrepreneur too because the thought never came to my mind, well, maybe you should just get a second job and work harder. I was like, that won't – I could I can quickly do the numbers. That's not going to pay for it. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to do that. That is <laughs> so, not going to help so the problem. Right about that, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> and so when these guys just gave me – I mean, it was – I don't remember what it was. It wasn't – it was a – it was – I probably got me high for two weeks or something. Yeah. Not any money, not any reimbursement on gas. I got used wow. by these, you know, guys that were five, six years older than me. So I just cut them out. I mean, I, I, mean, I don't know if they still went down, but I just started going down on my own. So I went down four more times, three more times, so four total. And it's like 
I'm getting a cocky arrogance about me, and part of it was some idiot savant because I didn't actually fully comprehend the amount of federal felonies I was committing. Yeah. Like driving through country, like I didn't really understand. And the amounts I was bringing back was enough. To, it wasn't personal use. Like, yeah. so I come back with all this. So then I start selling to all the different high schools. And dude, I felt like I felt like scarface. How old were like, you I at this point, dude? How old were you at this point? I was a senior in high school. I was eighteen. Wow. Dude, so, you're making these trips? That takes yeah. some balls. Dude. That takes some like, balls. Like, with, with no kind of no question. And so I'm selling them, dude. And by this point, I'm just, I think I'm untouchable, man. I mean, I barely went to school my senior year, and I somehow talked my way into graduating. I still don't know how to this day. My parents were like, how did you pull that off? I'm like, I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> wish I had that swag now, bro. That, I was on it. Is that entrepreneur in you, bro? And so I, um, long story short, I... Uh, some other of these high school kids from different high schools started getting the same idea, heard yeah. how I was doing it. They go down, they get popped the first time. Dudes get stuck in a Mexican prison. I'm tripping. I'm watching the news, and I it hit me, and I was like, I'm too pretty for prison. I'm not going. Nope. I, like I was, I was not going back down there. Wow. Like I, it. I mean, these guys were stuck in a Mexican prison for months. Not like, not like days. Wow. And these are kids, and I'm like, I can't do it. Yeah. I can't do it. So. I stopped selling, and I was like, I'll just ration this out, okay? And, of course, I didn't ration very well. And it was uh, it was that year my um, – I'm really telling this story long, sorry. It got mm-hmm. to uh, my Memorial Day of my senior year at high school, and I go down to Lake Havasu, and I get down there. And I thought I had enough. I was at the very end of that supply. I'm graduating high school. We're going down there to party. I was like, I'll just do the rest of these, and then I'm just coming off them. I didn't even. I, I knew that people got hooked, but I hadn't actually had to stop. Oh, the whole like, I didn't. I didn't have a day that I wasn't doing them for like, by six months there. Wow. And so I knew that people got like a little sick, or you know, I was selling to high school kids, so these weren't like hardcore junkies yet. So I didn't really see that side of it. So we get down there, and of course I run out. I can't ration it. And I wake up the next day and I'm feeling kind of sick. And as the day went on, I get gnarly sick, gnarly. Like, and I was like, what is happening to me? And I realized that I'm like, oh my God, these are withdrawals. This is what everyone talked. This is horrible. And I, and this kid that we were with that I didn't really know came over and sat on the bed and he looked at me and he said, hey, dude, I got something to make you feel better. But I don't know if you want to do it. And I said, what? And he said, heroin. And I remember in that moment, it was like the line I drawn in the sand. I was like, no, nope, that's gross. Yeah. I don't do heroin, dude. No way. And it was like 30 seconds later, I was like, all right, dude, give it yeah, to me. Yeah, because you felt like shit. So, okay, I want to touch on that really quick. So I, I recently had surgery done, right? I, I, I did my mouth, right? We have, I had my teeth done. And uh, they I gave me. I remember that too. They gave me yeah. these uh, these pills. They started with a P. I don't know the name. They're Percocet. No, it was another type of opioid. Uh, oh, oh, uh, I saw it actually. Tramadol. 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 That, that starts with a T. Just Tramadol. For the record, yeah. T, not a P. Like, <laughs> P. Yeah. The P is silent. <laughs> T. Tramadol. Okay. Put tramadol. That's how much. That's how much I know about this shit, right? So, I saw you post it, and I was like, my mouth watered a little. I'm like, I'll take one or five or ten. Bro, I. Ate these for only seven days, six seven days, not yeah. even that long. So I can't even imagine six months. But the, it was a two week supply, and I was in pain, so I took twice the t- twice the amount, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I took twice the amount, thinking that. Hold on, I'm being honest here. Thinking that it was gonna relieve the pain, and it, it it helped, right? But when I when I stopped because I ran out, I didn't think anything of it. I thought, no, there's no way I'm gonna get hooked on just one week of medication, right? 
dude, I got the worst RLS I've ever had in my life. Mm -hmm. Like three days I couldn't sleep. Tossing and turning. Pain was sciatica, both legs. Everything was in pain. I was in work. I was nauseous. I had like a fever symptoms. I thought I had COVID, right? Because I was like, what the hell's going on? Remember I thought I had COVID. I remember that too. And I'm like, how the hell do I get rid of this stuff? The, the What helped me the most, honestly, was that uh, Kratom. Mm-hmm. Kratom. Kratom. I took some Kratom, right? They sold it at the gas stations, right? Took some Kratom and it eased the symptoms and it went away. But I told myself at that point, never again in my life am I going to take these fucking opioids. Yeah. Because holy shit, one week? And then I thought about some of my friends who've been hooked and I'm like, I watched them go through withdrawals and these guys are like years. They're, they're doing this shit. And I'm like, I can't even imagine what that's like. So six months, I mean, holy shit, bro. Yeah, dude. That is insane. So yeah, I can imagine, at that point I told myself too, would I take heroin to release my RLS? I had a, <laughs> a line in the sand, right? I'm like, no, I probably wouldn't at this point. But six months, I would probably rethink that. Yeah. Because, dude, that is painful. Painful. You know, it's like, uh, you know, Macklemore, the rapper, he's in recovery as well. And he has a song, it's like, you know, talking about I'll, I'll never do that drug, not that drug. Like, no one, but no one ever does. Like, we don't we don't grow up thinking like, yeah, I'd like to be a firefighter and or a heroin addict, whichever comes yeah. first. Like, and I, I knew that like, you know, I just knew heroin was that next level. Yeah. But, I, you know, I took it and immediately I felt better. And honestly, it wasn't like, you know, I shot it up my very first time. Wow. Um, that's how the guy had it. And uh, how how'd you feel? I mean, instantly better. I mean, wow. you know, and I, I had I had, had a pretty high habit at that point. So, I mean, I felt good, but I wasn't, I was probably, it was a lot quicker and I wasn't used to that, like injecting it. Yeah. But as far as like, you know, I'd been snorting a lot of oxys a day, so it wasn't like this whole new level. But, um, but you know, so I continued to do that and I got back and I really, you know, I got back a few days later and I believed that like, all right, dude. You're just gonna go through that sickness again, but I bet this time won't be as bad. I think you also had a flu down there. Mm. Like I, I tried it for a day, and I was like, "Yeah, no." Wow. And so I called that kid. I said, "Can you get me some heroin?" And he said, "Yeah." And then I found out how cheap it was, and I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, I'm in. Like this wow. is good." And so that's where it took off, man. And how just... so? How long did that last? Because you're what 18 at this time. Mm-hmm. So 18 to what age did you begin to see like this is not gonna not gonna work? Well, dude, I ended up in my first treatment center in 2005, so I was a 20-year-old kid, and, uh, my, you know, I the heroin just grabs you quick, man, and it just, you know, especially when you start shooting it, you know, and um, it just real quick, dude, and I got fired from, from Bally Total Fitness, you know. Um, I couldn't show up unless I had it, and I had to start waiting on these, you know, Mexican drug dealers to come meet me, and they're, they're – concept of time is much different than reality i'll be there in five minutes it was like five hours dude i'll just be waiting in the parking lot staring <laughs> where is he green camry green camry dude for hours yeah so i got fired from that job and um got the job at 1-800 contacts got fired from there and i remember i called my mom and i'm like i gotta talk to you she said what's going on she knew i partied and i said i'm i'm shooting heroin i need some help and I'll never forget it. It was like 30 seconds. I was like, hello? She dropped the phone, dude. Oh, she wow. She picked it back up, and she said, are you for real? So they got me into a treatment center. But, um, you know, once I was in there and I went through the withdrawals and I started feeling better, I was like, you know, I've, heroin's a problem. But 
I'm going to keep drinking, which is a really common thing. And some people can't. So got out of rehab, started partying, just drinking. Never had blacked out. Blacked out. Boom. Don't remember shit. Like, it just doesn't respond well with me. Yeah. And within a week, I'm sitting in some abandoned parking lot shooting heroin again. And wow. I'm thinking, how did I get here? Like, how did this happen? And so that cycle continued and continued. And I would have times of renewed hope. I went to seven different treatment centers. And uh, and I got booked. I started getting booked into jail in 2006. And once you get caught up in the system and you are not ready to stay clean, you will stay in the system. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just kept getting in trouble, kept violating my probation. So yeah, I got, we we we've seen those mugshots, all of us, yeah. <laughs> right? I'm gonna put one up too for the viewers to see because we got you got you got some funny ones. You have a lot of them. Yeah, but. I, I wish I could find all of them, dude. <laughs> I, um, There's a few that I've seen and they, they look good, right? It was. You the, know, I did notice though. And this is, uh, uh, and I'm not saying heroin's a, a good, it's a better drug than methamphetamine, but heroin junkies don't look as bad as tweakers. You know? <laughs> I see the mugshots. No. Yeah, you know? you're right. And I've seen yours, and you look still like you're jacked and tan, and you're on heroin. <laughs> and I see these other guys on, you know, methamphetamines. And, and You know, it's funny, shit, the very man. last one, so the very last year of my use, I decided it would be a good idea to get into meth. Uh, this was a serious, like, I, like, decided. I yeah. fucked around with it a little, right? Yeah. But the last year of my use, I thought, okay, I'm having a hard time functioning. Like, I mean, I was just, I was either sick or I was drooling on myself. There was no in between. Like, oh I was gosh. just like, and I'm like, I can't hustle when I'm drooling on myself. Like, uh, like just so out of it, right? Yeah. Can't keep my eyes open. I'm like, you can't grind to get money for your next fix if you can't stay awake. So I was like, okay, cocaine's too expensive. I'd been doing a lot of coke with the heroin in the past, and it was just... It just made me weird, and uh, and it, I, I ran out of it too. Yeah. So I made the very conscious decision. I'm like, well, meth is cheap, and it lasts a lot longer. This can be a great addition. I genuinely thought it was going to, it, it was going to help you, yeah. help you with your hustle. Yeah, it was it was going to uh, stack into my life, not take away. I was yeah. like, and quickly that stuff grabbed me too. And wow. so my last mugshot, which actually wasn't made public because at that time the member the busted magazines, yeah, yeah, they had gotten. Like they had stopped making mug shots so public. Yeah. So oh, I remember that. Yeah, that was a dude. That was so recent, bro. Mm. Mm. That's no, wasn't. How long ago was that? 2012. That's recent. Yeah, yeah, I, I remember one, that. Like every gas station. Yeah, right? every gas that. station. Yeah. yeah, and I'd walk dude, in sometimes, and I was You're like, "Oh cover. shit, I'm right there." Like, I, I like, to, I was like, "Hey, get a picture." <laughs> I know that guy. Oh, <laughs> That's me. I'm showing the clerk. That's oh, me. <laughs> Grand Theft Auto, dude. Oh, uh, man. So my last one, I actually looked like a wreck, dude. Yeah. I mean, it started to sink in my face. And, and um, you know, that year was a really bad year. You know, I just kind of kept doing the same cycle, man. I'd get six months. I'd go to rehab. I'd get a little bit of sobriety time. I'd get back. I was managing a Gold's Gym on 78th and Redwood. Things were going real well. Um, and then just seemingly out of nowhere, one day I decided I can do just a little bit. I always said that to myself. And then, boom, grabs me, yeah. right? So finally... I get locked up for a whole year. I would do these little stints, like eh, a week or a month or two weeks, three months. And so finally, they terminated all my charges. And they said, we're just sticking in jail for a year. You cannot stay clean. You keep violating. So I did all of 2011 in jail. And um, during that time, I genuinely thought I was done. And I told my parents I was done. I'm going to do this. And I really believed that. Now, there was a big difference from being in recovery and doing the proper principles and from from just being sober and dry. 
Yeah. I was in there still hustling people for pills. You know, I was gambling all the time. Like, I was doing the the jailhouse stuff. Yeah. Not like my behaviors were the same. I just couldn't get dope. Mm. So I got out. I really believed I wouldn't do it. And uh, three days later, like, I got out in January 2012. Very end, January 27th. My birthday is January 31st. My parents were so excited that for once I was going to either show up to my party or show up sober for the first time in years. Yeah. And uh, I was excited, and man, that craving came back. And I remember thinking, dude, play the tape all the way through, so I did. I was like, once you go down there, you pick it up, you're going to shoot up. You could die because you've been sober so long, or you're not going to stop. You won't stop till something stops you. Yeah. And dude, despite playing the tape through, the craving was so strong. And I drove down there, and I'm crying the whole time I'm driving down because I knew that this time could not. I knew it wasn't going to be different. Yeah. Like I couldn't fool myself. I was like, "Dude, for the fiftieth time, you're going to go. Like you're going to go down a dark path." And uh, sure as shit, man, I didn't. Uh, I didn't show up to my birthday. And uh, at that time was the final straw. My parents put boundaries in, and my mom was a classic enabler. Find me a really good addict, and I'll find you a good enabler somewhere along the way. Mm-hmm. And so she said. Uh, they put a restraining order. I wasn't allowed to come to the house, a protective order. Wow. Um, they wouldn't pick up my calls. So I was on my own. And I, that's where my entrepreneurship really came to life. I mean, I was homeless for all of 2012, and I never slept on the streets once. I was resourceful. <laughs> I would always just find a way to navigate, to yeah. get enough money to get a month at, like, an extended stay hotel. Or I'd stay at these flop houses, or I'd stay at my buddy's mom's house like in a trailer in the back like i was always navigating yeah. and um you know that that year was the worst year of my life and the best year too because my parents stopped enabling me and allowed me to find my bottom you know dude I, my pattern was i'd go for three or four month runs hardcore something would stop me my parents would put me in detox my parents would put me in rehab the law was always a good one they'd come pick me up for three weeks i'd kind of dry out and it would like give me a little like refresh yeah. But I had no charges out, nothing. So, dude, wow. it just kept going and going and going. And I'm like, when is this going to end? And that's the year I did started getting into meth. So the people I got involved with in meth were just horrible. Just, it's a very evil scene. Yeah. So, flash forward and this story's over. <laughs> um, I get to, uh, you know, it gets to start getting cold. It's, uh, so my sobriety day is November 20th of 2012. So it starts getting cold, and uh, I'm getting tired, dude. It's been 11 months straight. I didn't draw a sober breath once. I'm doing a ton of math. I'm staying up three, four days at a time. I'm watching hideous shit happen to people, like girls getting yeah, you know, you've kidnapped. Told me, you've told me some stories. Yeah, yeah for, for a $30 drug debt and damn near beat to death, and I'm watching it. And then they're, if I tried to leave, they told me I was like I was the cops, and it was, it was just evil, man. Yeah. And so... I'm finally at this place where I'm like, I look up at the sky and I'm like, I don't know what God is, but if there's something out there, like I, this has to end. And so my grandfather died November 15th of 2012. My mother, um, my mother, I feel like I've shared this story so many times, but it's the only one I got. (laughs) My mother called me, informed me my grandpa died. And um, I was sad, you know, but she said the funeral's on the 19th. Or it was like the 13th, maybe. She said the funeral's on the 19th. She said, do whatever you have to do. Because she knew I was a, uh, I mean, she knew I was a heroin addict. Yeah, yeah. Like, she knew, she knew I would get sick. Yeah. She said, do whatever you have to do, which meant just save a little. To, she said, just to be right. Yeah. Basically, she said, don't be drooling on yourself and don't be sick, please. 
And I was like, oh, that's cute, Mom. If I could only find the perfect perfect little place there. Yeah. And, of course, I couldn't manage it, so it all ran out. So she picks me up the next day, and I am sick, sicker than a dog. And I'm like, I'm good because it, my grandpa, I was like, I just got to show up. And I start vomiting in her car. And she, like, pulls over, and she's, like, crying. She said, what do we have to do? And I said, I got to go get high, I'm, or I'll go like this. And she yeah. goes, you son of a bitch. She was so mad at me. And she said, where do we go? So I took her to the dealers, way off the path. Wow. And we get there, and, and uh, then when we get there, I add until the injury and ask her for 20 bucks. She was like, now I'm paying for your drugs. Oh, She's my like, God. You piece of shit. Wow. I remember she said that to me. So I go in and I get it and I come back in her car and I was like, yeah, I just stop at a gas station. She's like, we're late to your grandfather's funeral. We're not stopping. So I said, all right. So I hopped in her back seat. So we're up going up I-15 and I, I pulled out my spoon and my syringe and, and I cooked it up. And the whole time I'm catching my mother out of a rear view mirror looking at me and she's crying. And I'm like, don't look, don't look. So I'm trying to find a vein. I can't even find a vein. It's, I finally find one. There's blood dripping on her seat. And I hit it. I remember all of a sudden, immediately I felt better, right? And I looked in the mirror, and she's just sobbing at this point. And I'll never forget that. There's not, there's so much I don't remember about that year. But I believe nothing, nothing happens for me. And that, I remember vividly looking at that mirror. Like it was yesterday. Like it always gives me chills. Like she didn't say a word, she just sobbed. She just cried and shook her head. And I couldn't even say anything back. And it was in that moment I realized I'd actually not been suicidal out there, which was interesting. And I said, you have two options right now. You either need to blow your brains out or you need to to give this sober thing one last try and try your ass off. There was no other option. I couldn't go on another day living like that. And, um, And I said, you know, and I seriously was contemplating maybe I should just kill myself. Yeah. And that was a new thought. A lot of drug addicts say they're I. I never, I liked getting high. I didn't want to die. Yeah. I just wanted the consequences to stop. Yeah. And so that night, um, I get dropped off at, at uh, and I hop in this guy's car and he, uh, he asked me to drive. I don't, I don't remember the guy's name, just some drug friend. Yeah. We're going to get drugs and I'm getting on the freeway and I'm going to merge, but I'm texting the dealer and I'm not looking at the road and I almost hit this car. Like to the point the car had to swerve into the, all the way in the grass and the medium and come back out. It was a cop. Oh. So all of a sudden he flips his lights on and the kid looks at me and says, bro, this car's stolen. I was like, that's why you had me drive. Yeah. And he was like, bro, we got to gun it. It's like a 1999 Hyundai Elantra. I'm like, (laughs) I just pulled over, man. And it was this moment of surrender. Yeah. Like I knew that that was cop came up to me. I said, he said, yeah, you got uh, license and registration. I said, so you know the car's stolen, right? He goes, I haven't even ran the tags yet. You just almost hit me. I said, the car's stolen. I have no license. I need to go to jail. And he was like, hold on here. Hold on. And he goes back to his car and he comes back and he's like, no shit. No one's ever been that honest with me. Hop out of the car. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, do you have any drugs on you? And I said, nope, I've used yeah. them all. I'm going to get them right now. Yeah. And he was like, huh. So we're driving. He's driving to book me in. <clears throat> And I said, you know what's funny, officers? I really didn't know that car was stolen. He said, right? And I said, I, he goes, right. And I said, that, no, that's the truth. That's what's crazy. I said, but and he said, well, you seem pretty happy about it. And I said, man, I'm done. And he said, you know how many times I've heard that from the back of a cop car? And I said, do you know how many times I've said it? A lot. And we had this good little laugh and um, got booked in. And that's where my journey started, dude. That's I only it. did 30 days in jail. I thought I was going to do a lot longer. The charges were dropped. Um, he stole it from a family member. So 
um, got out of jail, and uh, I went to a to a recovery meeting, a twelve step meeting, like yeah. an AA meeting. It was a CA meeting and, actually. And, and I remember you, so we talked about this before, and I remember you told me. <clears throat> You told me uh, a story about how you had nothing. Your family cut you off financially. You were done, and you all you had was a bicycle, and you had a job, right? That, mm-hmm. that you had to get to. So let's let's start there because n- number one, I, I, that story is nuts, right? And I didn't know you at that time. We met a little bit after that, mm-hmm. but uh, when I met you, you you always seemed to be doing really well. So I, I knew you had that entrepreneurial spirit. I knew you had that that drive, that hustle. Um, I didn't know you were an addict until you told me, um, because uh, you know, telltale signs for me of an addict was somebody who looked like a tweaker. <laughs> you never looked like that. So, <clears throat> but you told me a story, and when we talked in the past, and you told me about how you had a bicycle and you had no money and you had a hustle to get to work, and 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 you weren't in the fitness industry anymore. What, what were you doing when you got out and you got sober? No, so I got out. I had nowhere to go. My parents still they were pissed. I got out of jail. Yeah. And they still had their boundaries up. I mean, my mom said, I love you, and I hope you can do it this time, but I can't I can't do anything for you. You have to do this on your own. Yeah. And, and thank God for that, you know. So I ended up asking this guy if I could stay with him that had schizophrenia. Like, it was just like I, on a mattress with nothing in this room downstairs in this gross house. But the guy was sober. He had schizophrenia, which was a little weird. But, um, but he let me stay there. And he said, you got to start paying me. And I said, cool, I don't have any money, but I'm going to start paying you. Can I pay you weekly? So I took my bike, and I started applying at all these restaurants. And this this uh, this restaurant, we used to be called Iggy's Restaurant. It was a sports, like, sports yeah, grill. Uh-huh. They gave me a job. And um, I was like, sweet. So I just started working. I picked up every shift I could. Keep in mind, this is the end of December. Yeah. And you're I'm taking my bike. <laughs> and the, I hit some ice. I mean, dude, I laid out, bam, hit the ground, hit the cement, dude, face hits all this ice, and I was like, shit, I wonder how many people saw that, and I was like, everyone always jumps up quick when this happens, like, I'm like, no, I ate shit, I'm just gonna lay here for a sec, that hurt, <laughs> I got up, and all the cars are just going by on 9th East, no one, no one noticed but me, and I was like, man, this is really humbling, and I remember in that moment, it was like, something divine was like yeah this is called humble pie bro this is what you got to do to fucking get your life back yeah like yep. literally fall down like so i got smart and i started uh i started taking the 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 uh i i, I would i'd would walk to the bus stop take the bus stop to the tracks but um but i uh i got a 500 dollar car there was a two-door. There was really a one-door because the driver's side wouldn't or the passenger side wouldn't open. This thing was the biggest piece of shit. So I remember I hung out with this girl this night. And she goes to get, I was like, so uh, you got to hop through my side. She had to like hop over the driver's seat to get to, like, and dude, I was just like, I didn't even think anything of it with this girl. I was just like, hey, I have a car. I haven't yeah. had a car in years. This is great. And so I'm waiting tables. And um, my, my, I had worked in a nutrition coaching company for like six months in 2008. I actually quit that job when I started relapsing again because I knew I was going to get fired. And I'm like, I'm done tarnishing my name in this industry. Yeah. So I quit. I told him I had a family emergency. So the guy who owned that place comes in to eat. And he was like, holy crap, man. Dude, what happened to you? We were so sad. Is, is your family okay? And, dude, it was like I just spit it out. I was like, so I didn't have a family emergency. I was relapsing on heroin. I've only got 60 days sober. I just got out of jail. I just want to be transparent with you, dude. I'm sorry about what I did to you. And he was like, wow. oh, why are you working here? And I said, well, I don't know where else will hire me, dude. I'm a felon, convicted felon, got a rap sheet. And he was like, dude, you're too talented to be working at a sports bar. He said, call me tomorrow. So I called him, and he gave me a job. 
Wow. And, uh, you know, it turns out, you know, this guy actually is no longer with us. This is THF, correct? Yes. Yeah. And turns out he has his own demons. At that time, he was battling a very, very closet pain pill addiction. Mm. So I think he had some empathy for the addict. Yeah. And then, you know, it came out when I was working there. But, yeah, that's when I got back into it, man. And, um, dude, and I still was waiting tables. I would My, my schedule, dude, I, being busy is single-handedly the best thing that – happened to me in my eight years sober like yeah i don't busy. know how people get and change their life if the, yeah. I, dude i woke up at six i do a meditation do all this morning shit i was out the door um i'd hit a morning meeting of aa and then i'd go and call a bunch of these clients trying to get all i'd go through everyone's old clients that was no longer at the place and they're like nobody really does that i'm like because they're idiots we got to call yeah. these people like call and they're what are you going to say to them i said i don't know tell them i'm a new guy i'll give them a discount that looks like they had good success with so-and-so before. Yeah. And I remember they were like, well, okay, you don't have to do that, though. We can just kind of disperse you some leads that come in. And, um, and you it were worked. hungry. You yeah. were hungry. Yeah. yeah, dude, it worked. Yeah, you were hungry. And, and I think that's probably about – after that is when I met you because when I met you, you were at THF. Yeah. <clears throat> and during this time, you were working on your physique. You were working on your mental health. You were competing in shows, correct? Yeah. So 2015, 2006, which year was it that you, you were – Mr. Utah, weren't you Mr. Utah for 2014. A while? No, no, I took second, Fernando. Uh, but I said we lie right now. <laughs> I swear to Damn God. Damn right I it was. It. I saw it was a, I thought it was a first place. Okay, show. I did get a first place <laughs> in my class, but I got a second overall. Oh, okay. It's okay. Just go with that. Dude, we'll that's, that's we'll good, man. That's good. Yeah, yeah. So I started competing. Yeah. And, dude, I mean, I was competing. I was, and by that point, I had quit the, uh, quit the waiting tables job, but I yeah. stuck on that for waiting tables on the weekends for, for probably the first six months of my coaching because it takes a while to build up. And eventually, I remember I was listening to like a, a Jocko podcast or something, and they were like, if you're treating the thing you're passionate about like a fucking part-time gig, you're fucking going to lose. And I was like, "Call." I called the fucking restaurant the next day. I said, I need to quit right now. <laughs> i got to go all there in on go. this. It's like there the safety go. net. So I, I respect that, but, but I respect that. And, and again, this is where we go back to with people on our team in real estate and, and also other entrepreneurs who are – part-time entrepreneurs, you know, where they're not dedicated completely. They're one foot in, one foot out. You know what I mean? And, and we've seen that over here. We've seen, I've seen that in my own personal journey for both myself and other people, um, where if you're not committed fully, you are going to lose. Dude, you're yeah. going to lose. You have to commit completely. And so you, you did one that. One foot in, one foot out. You, you can't, can't do that. Anything I'm, in life in general. Yeah. Dude, it was, it was crazy to me. I'm going through the show prep, which is so demanding, and I'm building clients. And I remember when the guys there said, Dude, good for you, man. This never happens. And I was blown away. Like, well, what else would I do? Yeah. Just because I'm doing a show prep doesn't give me the excuse to not show the fuck up. Like, it never even registered of like, oh, you're doing a show prep. This is tiring. You better not try to get new clients and help serve all your current clients. Like, you know, and it got harder at the very end, but I just, it never was even a thought to me. So I did all that and, um, and did well on the show. And, um. And it was good. It was a good experience, man. It was a, it was a very spiritual experience because I, I was that guy sitting on the end of some crackhead Motel 6, literally smoking crack or something. And I'm like, and I'm actually still kind of big at this point. It was just such a dichotomy, dude. I would still <laughs> eat well. It was so weird. Yeah. Like, oh, can I have some crack and some oatmeal with some berries in it? Like, <laughs> the fuck? Fucking guy. <laughs> dude, yeah, I'd like bro. go over to IHOP and make sure I got a bunch of egg whites as I just slammed heroin. It was such a weird thing. Yeah. But I didn't look like a heroin addict for a long time. And then I think that was my cover-up, was people wouldn't have expected it, right? Yeah. 
But um, but when I was sober, I mean, I did the show, and but I always said I'm gonna compete one day. I'm gonna compete one day. I'm gonna compete one day. One day. One day. One day. So I finally did it, and it was a spiritual experience. I loved the challenge. I loved the grit. I loved all of it. But a funny thing happened. I did well, and I didn't expect to, because I went in with just no expectations. Yeah. So then people start telling me, "You got a real sport. You got, dude. You improve on this, this, and this, man. You can win the whole thing. You can go to nationals." Wow. And my ego kicked in, man. And I started operating instead of a place of just, just like, just this truest self, man. It was all ego. So I did another show like nine months later, and that show prep was hundred percent different, dude. I was. I was crude to myself. How I talked, looking in the mirror, was like the worst body dysmorphia I ever had. I was getting so lean. I remember being like, you skinny piece of shit. You fat piece of shit. Like, wow. And I ruined a relationship with him. Probably a good thing. Um, hopefully she doesn't listen to this. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> dude, destroyed some relationships. Damn near almost lost my sobriety. Like, it was just a whole different experience. And it was all coming from ego. Yeah. And, um, you know, after that, I decided to not compete anymore. And and I don't know if I ever will again. Like, you know, I, I think it's great. And I think it's a great challenge. But, you know, shortly after that, I started Key Nutrition. Yeah, so so let's talk about that because I remember that, that day. I remember. Yeah, I yeah, good job. I remember that day. I was at, at that time I had my hair school. I was building. And I remember I was on social media. And here we go. It's a commercial. Yeah, well, Instagram video or a uh, Facebook video. Yeah. And it's a. Uh, Brad, <laughs> key nutrition, and it was an interview I think you did with uh, either one of your clients or one of your friends. Uh, but you were talking about key nutrition, how you're opening key nutrition, or you just open key nutrition. I yeah, think it was a video of the grand opening. Yep. Um, and I was like, oh, that is so cool. Like, this is somebody I know, and I'm really happy for this guy. He's got his own business now. I want to support this guy. And I remember I talked to you about that, and I had no idea. Number one, um, I thought when I heard nutritionist in the past, and I'm sure a lot of people listening to this will, will think the same thing. When you think of nutritionist, you think of, oh, you have to have so much money to see a nutritionist. You think of nutritionist, think of a celebrity has a nutritionist, right? Yeah. That's what, that's what I my thought mind. the exact same thing. Exactly, right? I it's, did. Uh, yeah. And Before. so when, when I saw this, I'm like, damn, Brad's going to kill it. He's, a, he's <laughs> overnight six. He's got, he's going to have celebrity clientele and this and that. And then when I started talking to you about it and you told me, hey, man, yeah, like we charge this much money, you know, it's a few hundred bucks a month. And we do this, we meet every week. And I'm like, what like that's what it is i thought it was like you had to have like a degree and you had to be like a doctor to be a nutritionist and yeah. next thing you know you have people working there and i'm just like that is so cool man and so i don't think there even to this day are a lot of nutritionists who operate the level that you guys do i mean i don't know how many c- competitors that you guys have but um i i look at you guys key nutrition as the top key nutri- the, the the top nutritionist place here in utah yeah and uh like I said, I don't know too much about that industry, but um, I look at the clients you guys have, and I'm like, dude, you guys service everyone, mm-hmm. all walks of life, yeah. and that is so cool. And so I jumped in eventually, but it was a process for you, yeah, right? And it was a challenge, right? Because I'm sure you didn't just open the doors and everyone's killing it, and you had your offices filled. But what was that like? I mean, when you guys opened up, were you killing it from day one? I mean, financially, what was you, you see? What I'm saying, like, dude, I was scared what was shitless, the process you know? like? So. I, I started to tear it up at the old place. I mean, was definitely the top guy month after month and um, started getting this feeling like, man, I should go out on my own. And then that fear kicked in and was like, nah, you, you don't know what to, you, know, you don't have a business plan. You know what you're doing. So I just kind of was in this limbo place. The guy ended up that gave me the job back. 
uh, the addiction crept back in, and it got bad, gnarly. Like, dude wasn't showing up. He was acting super weird, wasn't making sense when he was talking. Like, mm. we tried to have, like, an intervention. He wouldn't go. And then my paycheck stopped coming in on my deposit, and I was like, okay. That's it. I was like, That's that, you thank you, God. All right, man, this is my sign. So I bailed. And um, within two weeks, dude, two weeks, we, we had a physical location. I had a name. And uh, quick. I didn't know a single th- And I left thousands of dollars on the table over there. I didn't care. And then I invested everything I had to get this place going. I had to do a bunch of remodel. And that you've been, you know, it was a shithole before. Uh-huh. It was like, it was the weirdest setup. Like, we had to build that whole wall behind the reception desk because it, like, saw into, like, the other. It was, it was, I had to do a lot in there. It was all carpet and I'd put some tile. And so I drop all this money, dip into my savings. And I'm like, all right. It's cool, though. We're going to make a ton of money. Keep in mind, the only things I knew about business was from watching Shark Tank and listening to Gary Vaynerchuk. That was it, dude. I didn't know shit. Oh, and drug dealing. You know, but sometimes it's all you need. I swear. Yeah, sometimes that that is all you need. Well, you can't forget the profit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, You can't forget the profit. Shark Tank and the profit. Yeah. That's a good one, too. Dude, I love it. So, but you're doing good now. Yeah, yeah. Dude, so I started, and it didn't go well. Um it just, you know, and I think it's important for, dude, I was like, cool, I'm bringing over clients because he had no right to come after me for, you know, this, uh, any kind of lawsuit non-compete for taking, yeah, non-compete mm-hmm. because the dude didn't pay me. He owed me like 18 grand. And I was like, for two months, wow. I didn't get paid. Wow. So I was like, you know, and he's so high. Um, and sadly, you know, we passed away shortly after, which is what happens with people who do drugs. Like you yeah. either get sober, eventually you die or you blot out to the end of misery. But so I, I went over and I was like, oh, it's going to be great. And it was, I had my clients, but a lot of them had already paid in full at the old place. And so it was different how we used to do it. It wasn't monthly then. And so I was seeing a lot of them basically for free. And I didn't really calculate all this in because wow. they had already paid and the money they paid, I never got paid off of. And, um, you know, I was going to try to sue him and all this. And then he passed away and I was like, okay, I can deal without some money. Right. Uh. But, um. It was scary, dude. It was scary. And, it, you know, I remember distinctly my, my now ex-wife, I came home one day and I was like, shit, like the account's almost on zero. Like I haven't seen her like this in forever. I don't know what to do. And I was like in tears almost. And she just, you know, she looked at me and she just said, if you can beat a heroin addiction and build something with your life, I think you can build a business. Yeah. She was getting, and she like patted me on the back and she said, you can do this. Yeah. And it was like just that little bit of like straight tough love I needed that was like, dude, I was like, you're right, I can. Yeah. And so I dove in, man, and I started really getting into everyone's different content on business and and um, made a ton of mistakes, tons of – I mean, the amount of money I spent those first few years on shit I didn't need. I was like, oh, let's spend ten grand on blender bottles. I didn't have ten grand to spend on blender bottles, but yeah. I had – it was like eight grand. It's a lot of blender bottles. Yeah. We had so much that <laughs> they finally just ran out years later. And, um, but dude, I'm so grateful for every one of those losing lessons. I mean, dude, you know, by the end of year one, we were cash flow positive and, you know, by, by really about month four we were, and then year two is when Justin came and that was the big boost I needed because he came in and then it brought this energy and he was on fire. He was going at it. And he was like, what client, he did the same shit I did. He said, what clients do you have that you're not seeing where they're in your, like, can I call them? I was like, yeah, bro, get him in. I want you making money. Yeah. And he did. And um, that then lit a fire, and the other guys started performing a little better and brought on a couple other guys. And, um, you know, in last year, we did uh, 
we did 1.2 million, and there I don't like to talk about numbers. Yeah, but this is an entrepreneurial yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah, I know. So I normally do don't because yeah. I like yeah. you know 1.2 million in revenue, and uh, for a business that didn't, we I think we did 380 the first year, 725 the second year, and then 1.25 that third year, and then we're coming to the end of the fourth now, um, and and that was cool, dude, because I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. Like I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. And it was interesting when it started to happen. I started okay because the first year or two, you guys, I it wasn't like I was making a ton of money. I was making enough to take home, but I'm getting all these leads for these guys. Like I'm spending so much money getting the business going that everything I made, I'd take what I needed to pay my bills. But I was driving a used car, like I wasn't balling. Yeah. And then that third year is when all of a sudden, like. I started going, oh, shit, there's a lot of money left over in the account. I think I can start paying. I asked my accountant. He's like, yeah, you can pay yourself more. I was like, all right. <laughs> That's a good so feeling. So I started making some real money. That's a good feeling. And, um, and dude, it was it was cool. And, and you know, and since then, it's I realized just how much I love the game of entrepreneurship. <clears throat> and and, and like, it, it's a game, bro. And dude, I'm, you I'm keep so losing, you and that. it's just, like, cool. You know, and yeah. that whole Gary Vee mentality stuck with me is just like, all right. What can I learn from this? But like, that's cool. I'm gonna win next time. Yeah. I felt like I was just moving this yep. game of checkers or chess. You that's know, it's it just is. like, ah, shit, checkmate. I got screwed. Yeah. Okay. So you know, Alan and I, we, so we started this 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 uh, UVO right real estate, and it, it's funny because I'm sure you dealt with this too. Because when people think you own a business, they think all of a sudden you have money. They don't understand that being a business owner, you get paid last. You know, you have to pay <laughs> your bills first. You get paid last, and a lot of the times, again friends and family are like oh you, you have money you're doing good and you're you have no money most of the time and when you're starting a business year one year two most of the time the people who are working the nine to five have more money than you yeah you know you know, you know and they don't understand that and, and and you're staying there you know and you're hustling entrepreneurs are the only people that will will do everything in their power uh they'll work 80 hours a week to do everything in their power to not have to work for yes. it like yes <laughs> like yes. i was like there's no way i'm going back to and it was interesting when you told me about alan uh, when you were like, dude, I'm, I'm trying to get this guy to leave. I remember mm-hmm. you cut my hair telling me that. And I remember you were telling me about him. And I remember thinking that was me at THF on a much lower pay scale. But yeah. like where I was like, yeah, but I don't know. This is good. I've been here a while. Like I make good money. Like why would I leave? And they're like, why would you stay is the better question. And it was just like when you told me about him, I was like, dude, that was me. Yeah. And then you tell me he's like, dude, he's going to fucking leave. Oh, yeah. That was when I was talking about leaving, you know. Yeah. My, then we left. Yeah. Century 21. And we left and we're here. It's been a year now, a year now. And we're in the first year. You know, we haven't made a lot of money, but we in, reinvest in our team when you were talking about how you're spending all this money on lead generation and helping the guys out yeah, marketing and your give, give, give. Well, dude, you That's guys have all gr- we do. Yeah. And I think yeah. one of the biggest things that was, was and a really big eye opener to me was I thought having 12 coaches underneath me that they worked for me. And I quickly realized for this succeed, I had to work for them. Yep. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I work for them. Yep. You know, and yeah, you get to a point, it becomes a well oiled machine. You start making, you know, good money off your top producers that you don't have to do much for because they're, you know, good. But, um, but I work for them, yeah. you know, not the other way around. Exactly. And, yep. um, you know, and I did that probably to a fault, dude. I was bending over backwards. People would bitch about their commissions and I'd be like, well, you're pretty good. I'll give you 2.5% more. How does that sound? Yeah. Like, and drove, drove myself into some holes. And when, when quarantine hit, um, pandemic hit i sat down and listen i'm really good on the front end i love i love producing content i love being the face i love driving the business i love uh the back end not so much 
So there's this thing called the P&L, right? You're supposed to look at on occasion. I was just like, I have a counting team. They'll handle it. I finally started diving through it because I was like, I'm making money, but I feel like I should be making more. Like, I'm making money, but like, I'm like, how? We did 1.25. Where's all this going? And I start adding up. I gave my sister was the operations manager. Don't ever hire fam. I just gave her erroneous raises. I'd be like, she'd be like stressed at home. I'll be like, well, let's give you another raise. <laughs> Dude, I ended up paying her and I love her to death. But I paid, I mean, for, for a startup business, what she was making, managing the day to day, like front end stuff. Yeah. was not advantageous. Yeah. And I was like, how do you fire your sister and hire a high school kid to do this for much cheaper, <laughs> right? <laughs> But I looked and I had to reevaluate a lot of my business, had to make some big shifts in it. Um, And it freed up and it also freed up a lot of my time. And I took a little hit the way I structured them, but I no longer had to pay out Michelle. She's just a virtual assistant now. Um, And yeah, it'd be nice if someone was there greeting people, right, when they walk in. But long story short, I had to to reshift my whole business and like... That's the pivots, right? Uh, and because of that now, I just launched this course, this whole interactive course that's all new. It's much more about the mental, emotional, spiritual let's side of it. Let's talk about that. I like, I'm happy about that up because I almost forgot about that. And uh, I think that's we should talk about that in the podcast especially because this is – your course is designed to help entrepreneurs. Am I correct? But it could owners. be, yeah. yeah I mean, it doesn't have and, to. It's not – yeah. Single. I'm really good about not finding niches if you yeah. can't tell. People yeah. are like, what's your niche there? I'm like, we help everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember, though, before we, we were chatting and, and, and you said when you were kind of in the beta, the beta testing phase of, of, of your course, you had some, some people who were business owners, correct? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, and you know yeah. what? I think it does draw a lot of that, too. We have a couple of those in the group right now. Um, you know, and in part, one of my marketing things was kind of two entrepreneurs or, or maybe, you're, maybe you're working that nine to five and you hate it and you, you hate your boss and every day you complain, and, but you stay there because you're stuck. Like, what would it look like if you just walked through that fear? So I took the principles. People kept asking me, how did man, how'd you change your life so much? I never would have guessed you were a junkie, you know, ODing in Chevron bathrooms. Like, and I said, I don't, dude, I worked these things called the 12 steps and recovery. And I don't know. And I put a shit ton of work in and shit just happened. And, I, and as people started asking me and I started realizing, okay, there were some core principles that really helped me in those 12 steps that apply to everyday folk. It's about finding a spiritual connection, like a power grading yourself, that you can choose to call God, but this is not religious. This is yeah. finding like that that higher power and um, and some, some inventory stuff. And so I took some of the principles of that and I linked up with my friend Alti who does energy work. And I thought energy work was woo-woo until she worked on me. I texted her the next day, I'm like, why do I feel so out of it? She's like, that's you processing. I'm like, no. But, dude, I, w- I couldn't even, like, form a sentence that day. It was so weird. Wow. And she identified some things in me that I had never told her when she was doing this muscle testing. You know, it, it was – we're all made of energy, and it's just – it's crazy kind of the work she does. She's got a gift. So I linked up with her, so she's doing some of this on it. So there's a physical component, like I'm doing their nutrition and fitness programs um, through online check-ins. And there's a once-a-week group, and it's – uh Go over physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. Do the whole works. There's a whole mental week. There's a there's a physical week, like where they just did a physical challenge. There's a there's a there's a spiritual week. Yeah. There's an emotional week. There's a relational week. There's an abundance week, 
And so we just kind of take them through. That's why we call it the next level experience. And, and it's uh, this is our full first round. I did a beta round, which if you're running a course that you're going to charge a lot of money for, do a practice round at a lot cheaper because I learned a lot yeah. about what not to do. And we refined it, and this is the full first iteration. And uh, we're like six weeks in, man. And I, there wasn't every single person was crying last night. There's 15 people in the group. Wow. We just got everyone was just getting so vulnerable and raw and real and um, it's really cool, man. And so, uh, how is it? If, uh, how are you guys operating that with COVID? Are you guys meeting in person? Or is no, it no, virtual? it's all through Zoom. I mean, we have people in Boston, we have people in in Ohio, we have two people in California. Um, so we have people. We have someone in Houston, and we have like four or five from Utah. But it's, so it's all spread out over the country. I'm just glad I didn't get somebody f- from outside of the country. Trying to work that time zone, right? Yeah. So it's going to be 3 a.m. your time, Australian. <laughs> Can oh, you yeah. show up for that? Yeah. So, um, it, yeah, it's all done. And so we'll just keep it through Zoom, you know, because we're attracting a lot of out-of-state people. And people kept asking me. So I started the podcast. And the question I got all the time is, Brad, how are you going to monetize that podcast? When are you going to, when are you going to try to monetize it? And I'm like, shut the fuck up. I don't yeah. know. I just like doing it. You totally could if you wanted to. I've gotten some offers. Yeah. And, I, and, and, uh, and I might take one of them. I finally found a company that I really align with, but that's never why I was doing it. It was for yeah. brand recognition. You would ask me, go. like, what did your podcast bring you? It got so much more coaching clients for all my coaches, yep. oh, and it sprinkles in a lot more for me, And um, but it's brand. It's recognition. And then when I went to sell this course, dude, it was, you know, $2,000 course. going to be 2500 bucks next time. During a pandemic, it's like, you know, on a concept. We didn't have any proof of concept yet. We did a beta round, which we completely changed the whole thing. Yeah, we didn't have any proof. This is this was an idea, not a not an actual thing yet. And uh, dude, it just sold, and it sold because people listened to the podcast <clears throat> and they know, like, trust, and respected me. Yeah, yep. And it sold because of you. Yeah, they believed in you. Yeah, dude, I was like, oh wow, this is selling easy. Yeah. And I got in grind mode that day, and I thought I was gonna have to hard close people. And then they were like, cool, all right, yeah, where do I pay? Dude, when, like, you're, when you're passionate about what you do, yeah. you put the work in, you don't have to sell anything. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that's how you've got to where you're at know. today, you know? It's, uh, yeah, it was cool, dude. And that uh, lever- the podcast leverage because people had been listening to me for so long. And they, when I talked about this, I talked about it with such passion and enthusiasm. And, and dude, it has. The people were taking it serious in there. I mean, this one girl just quit her job and f- already found this job that pays her better. And again, it's not always going to work like that. When she told me to quit her job, I was like, shit, do you have anything lined up? Yeah. And she was like, no, but I will find something. And I was like, three days later, she got a better job offer. She like she worked from home. I was like, wow. And again, but that's just someone starting to believe in themselves. Like, and it's not always going to work that way, but it's been really cool, man. So the podcast has been great for that. And, um, and you know, the podcast, when you start getting up, when you're a podcast, host all of a sudden people just start asking you to come on there so it's like this community no one was asking me before i had a podcast now i think i've been on 50 wow and i got on this one podcast with with this gal who was a mormon life coach and she uh i'd asked her to be on mine because my clients love her and we talked about mindset stuff and then she was like hey do you want to come on mine so i came on and uh, we talked about my story a little, but a lot about nutrition tactics. And, dude, I didn't know her podcast was – I mean, she has, like, 14 million downloads in five years. I don't know how many of that. It was a couple wow. – three million a year. That's wow. a good podcast, dude. She yeah. breaks really high. The next day it aired, and I looked at my Instagram, and I was like, is there a glitch? Why do I have 2,000 new followers? 
dude, it was like wildfire. Wow. And so it just got, and dude, my applications for my personal coaching, I mean, dude, it was nine, it was no 46 deep, 46, like applicant. Like I was like, I can't take all these people. They just started coming wow. in. So I gave them to my guys. I took a few of them. It also gave me the, uh, the courage to be like, well, I'm raising my prices and people paid it. There you go. So I just think the podcast is a beautiful thing. My testimony of the podcast, because that girl would have never asked me to come. I would have never even met her. She became a client. And that's also why I still get referrals from her. It's because she talks about me in her life coaching. She has this big group. And, um, and so podcast is a beautiful platform. Holy cow, yeah. So, so this is why I wanted to do this was because I saw how it helped you in your business, but not only your business, but uh, your listeners, right? And everybody around you. Uh, Brad's on his phone right now. This guy never turns his phone off, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> never, ever, ever, right? But, no, but but in, in all seriousness, right? It, yeah, this guy in his watch. Do you have an Apple Watch? No, I can't. I'll look at it all the time. Yes, yes. I can't. Yeah, that's the next level, I can't. right? Yeah. That's the next level. Um, but your listeners, right? I mean, you have a lot of listeners. Yeah. With your podcast. And, uh, I mean, I, I, I'm a listener. I hear it all the time, and when I, and especially when I'm on long drives. I hear it in the drives. And the audio is really good, by the way, right? Thank you. But when I listen to it, I'm just like, man, I get a lot of education out of this stuff. And it, it does make me question, and this is, number one, I'm doing a podcast now, and we talk about it, uh, about nutrition and how it's helped me. Number one, confidence. It takes a lot of confidence to do this, right? But when I think about how many things you have to do in, on top of having a podcast, because you don't get paid from the podcast, how the hell can you manage all these things and keep that uh, mental clarity and keep your cognition and, and, and run your business and still have all this energy to do all these things. Um, and that's what I want to talk to you about. Number one, how the hell are you doing that? I mean, you have a million dollar company, right? And you have all these clients. I mean, how many clients do you have right now? Too many for me. Yeah. What I should See? have. I just love coaching. I think it's like, I don't know, 50, but I got my coaches. I've got the next level experience, uh, two podcasts a week. Um, I produce content every single day and some days it's a lot easier and some days it's a little bit harder yeah. to think of something new. I mean, I talk about the same five things in 500 different manners, it's a, yeah. you know, but, um, yeah, I mean, dude, proper nutrition really helps. It does. And, um, and I don't get, um, I don't get enough sleep, but I'm, I'm very diligent on making sure I get my sleep and I track that through an aura ring right here, which tracks your sleep. Um, they're pretty cool. And so I've tried to optimize my sleep and it's not very long, but if I can optimize what I do in that six hours, they, they, so then I'm good. I, I've got to get that. I've got to get that. got to get the old I have to. And, thing. And I'll show you the I'll, app, bro. Yeah, I'll tell you why. Okay. So, so check it out. So this thing that I read a long time ago, this when I was building the school, I, I knew that, Hey, in order for me to do all these things, I have to sacrifice some sleep. And I was doing that. And the longest day I had was 47 hours. Right. And I noticed that 47 hours, you start to lose your mind. Right. And, and when you're working and, and, and doing it and I was alone in the school doing it, painting, and I hear voices like, wait, what? <laughs> right. And, and I find myself staring at the wall for like way longer than I should. Right. And so I started losing it. And I was like, OK, 47 hours is the, the maximum for me until I go crazy, not sleeping and working. So I'm like, OK, what, what other things can I do to help me? Number one, be this efficient throughout the day with my time and also get some rest. So I started to read, and I saw Leonardo da Vinci actually had a sleeping schedules that he would play with. And one of them I found to be really effective for me. I've been doing it the last couple of weeks, where you sleep three hours a day for two days, and on the third day you get 
a full night's rest, eight hours if you can. And that's actually been working, right? But my body fat stopped going down. Yeah. 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 And it might work for your mental clarity. Yes. Your body is, yes. Your body's pissed at you. Yes. And so I noticed that. And I'm like, okay, I'm eating my meals, but I'm missing a few meals here, missing a few meals there. I've been able to do that and still lose some, some weight. But now my, my, my physical is not, it's not doing what it's supposed to be doing. So th- I got to find a balance there. Yeah. Right. And so that aura ring helps you. Dude. Yeah. Immensely. It's pretty cool. It's wow. a really cool day that comes from Finland. I have no affiliation with them yet. I'm really working on this. But, uh, well, you have good. two new clients right here. Yeah. yeah, dude, it's so legit. The app, it tracks your HRV, which is your heart rate variability, which is a really interesting way of, of showing you how stressed you are, too, because it constantly reads your heart rate. And then it starts doing this variability over day over day, and it gives you a readiness score, basically how ready are you to attack the day or especially a workout. And let me tell you, like I was like, how accurate is this thing really? So um, I'm going through a divorce, and, uh, you know, it sucks. It's not fun, right? But but it's 100% the best thing. Um, I've been through worse things. Let's just say that. Yeah. Um, but I was stressed. That last week before I got moved out of my, my big house that I, you know, had purchased. And, pay, and I'm like, um, I'm leaving. I'm getting an apartment, and I'm going to have to pay for the house. You know, we got a kid together, and um, and I got stressed. Not even financially stressed, just stressed with all this. Dude, my, my, my HRV started tanking. I mean, it was like every day it was like, you seem really stressed. You should chill out. Would you like to try meditation? I'm like, no, fuck you. I'm good. <laughs> is it, wait, your ring is telling you that? Yeah. It, tell, it starts on your, saying. On your phone? Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't actually say that. It would just read. <laughs> it would say, you seem really stressed lately. Maybe take a day for meditation and chilling. And it just kept every day. And I was like, holy shit. And now that I'm much less stressed, it's coming back up. But anyways, so the aura ring is awesome. Also, I'm a real big fan of nootropics. We discussed that a little beforehand. Yeah. Things like Alpha GPC, Hooperzine A, um, Lion's Mane, uh, these different kind of mushrooms and these adaptogenic herbs. Uh, um, really, really awesome. People don't realize so much of what they love about pre-workout is the nootropics. They get the buzz from the caffeine, yeah. and they think that's it, but they've got this intense mental focus. That's not just from caffeine. You ever drink a bunch of caffeine and you feel like a crackhead? You're not, like, so in the zone all yeah. the time. I've and noticed so, that, too. Whenever uh, I'll take pre-workout or anything before a workout, I feel clear, like, yeah. focused. Yeah. Like those, in the zone. Those yeah. bang energy drinks, too. Well, those two. Yeah, so I'll mix my lion's mane. I'll mix my lion's mane with a couple other things, and the GPC and the Alpha Brain, right? The Alpha Brain. Uh, yeah. Alpha Brain, and, I, and I'll take it with a bang. <laughs> and dude, it gives me some like I'm on it mentally, yeah. and I feel good when when I do it. Um, I'm not hitting the gym when I do it, but you know I come to work, and so when you're here at work, it's it's a different workout. It's a mental workout, right? Yeah. When you're here all day, you're dealing with all these people. Um, and all this stress and everything you're dealing with over here um, at the office. But I do feel like nootropics is, and this has been a big thing we've been working on lately, that's why I'm happy to have you here, is very, very essential and almost necessary for an entrepreneur, you know, because we deal with a level of stress that not a lot of people deal with. Yeah. Um, so, um, again, I'm, I'm super happy you're talking about that. I'm going to make a list of this after. We'll, we'll actually put it in the description. What is it? Hooperzine? Hooperzine, hey, Alpha heard. GPC, yeah. the Lion's Mane. Um, I mean, there's, there's a number of them, but... Yeah, we could do a whole podcast on, on biohacking. I'm really big. I mean, ice baths, cold showers, um, grounding, yeah. uh, nootropics, um, and then ways I've hacked my sleep, too. Um, but that's probably a whole podcast in itself. But yeah. 
I, you know, you got to optimize everything. And the brain is so important for everybody, especially for entrepreneurs. And it's just those little added things. I mean, even a lot of research coming out that's very fascinating on, on microdosing plant medicine yeah. and, and mushrooms. Yeah. I mean, think about like at the, you know, the side effects of mushrooms compared to Adderall is night and day difference so much better for you. Yeah. Yet we're being fed Adderall for everything. Yeah. And Adderall, the problem is that there's that crazy, and then there's that crash. Yep. And lots of anxiety, you know, even some people get aggression. Yeah. So that's a so whole different I've, discussion. I've tried that in the past, and I did it for, I think, two days. You know, I thought it was going to help me. Being an entrepreneur, I needed more focus, more right energy. And, and I tried the Adderall thing because I had a lot of friends who were doing it. The, the one thing I noticed is my jaw. I got a lot of tension in my jaw, and I looked like a crackhead. I'm, yeah. like, you know, rubbing my teeth together, and I'm like, that's why a lot of these tweakers – have these like jaws that are like a lot yeah. smaller. They've worn down their jawbone yeah. and their teeth. And I'm like, that's not for me. I quit Adderall, would never do that again, right? I didn't get the, the feeling I was looking for, right? I have gotten it from the Alpha GPC. Mm-hmm. I gotta say, I've ha- I have gotten it from microdosing because I microdosed before. Yeah. And uh, it's worked tremendously. Um, and I've, I've been able to work and been able to be efficient and effective. And I've noticed some other benefits too. So, I mean, I'm a big proponent for that stuff. Yeah, yeah I'm a firm believer in that, um, especially for being an entrepreneur. And this is a podcast for entrepreneurs. You know, people are going to hear this and they'll probably have some questions about microdosing, right? <laughs> but uh, I'm totally open to talk about it, and I and I would, um, just not right at this moment, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? But but be in all seriousness, that's a real thing, right? And the, yeah. the we've talked about this before. You know, we had a, another guest in the podcast last week. And, uh, you know, she's had an experience very close to her, someone who was an addict, you know, who passed away. And uh, I watched that in my life, too. People who I've known, you know, become addicts and, you know, lose and and, and lose their life. And uh, that's a big fucking problem here in Utah. You know, they're giving away these pills for everything. And I feel like sometimes the patient is now the doctor. They'll go in and say, I got a problem. Can I have this? Saw a commercial on TV and it sounded like it's for me. And the doctor just writes a prescription very loosely. Mm And uh, that's a fucking issue we have here. So I do think yeah. people need to start researching on their own and looking into other avenues to find ways to treat their issues. 100%. You know, that's not coming from your doctor. Yep. So I, that's huge. You know, yep. I, I really like that. Um, but I think uh, this is really good for today. We covered a lot of stuff. Yeah, dude. So um, it, was a, <laughs> it was an hour and fifth hour and a half almost. There we go. I like. So we're Shit. testing out the audio and the cameras. Right, checking out the audience. So this I is can keep be good. going. Let's just go. Let's can. wrap the Joe Rogan podcast. <laughs> dinner. You got four hours. Get some dinner in here. Uh, let's get some food. We'll talk let's about biohacking. We'll talk order. about microdosing. We'll talk. We're, we're, that's another one I want to hit on because I really want to touch on that today. But that's something I really think we should hit on because even here at the office, a lot of the agents who are here working nonstop and, and our team UVO, like our guys hustle and they are working day to night they come here in the morning they leave when it's dark outside like we're, we're, we're grinding all day and i hear them talking about i'm looking for ways to keep me you know energized throughout the day and focused throughout the day and biohacking i told you about you know was something that i know you're really good at so i definitely think we should do this on the podcast in another episode and, yeah and go over that stuff love to do yeah <clears throat> incorporating things like breath work too been a game changer for me so but yeah. yeah, well, come on and talk Dude, about breath it. Breathwork alone, for example, the one thing I love about my watch, it'll tell me when to breathe. Yeah. Honestly, the one reason why I like it, it'll tell me when to breathe. Mm-hmm. It'll catch me when I'm like, maybe I'm not getting enough in, enough uh, um, oxygen. And I'm like, oh, cool, I probably should. And I'll take a minute. Yeah. I'll relax and go, okay. I'll yep. just breathe. And after about maybe 
five, six times you do it, you feel better. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize it. Yeah. Just taking a little breath in and out. It's crazy. Yeah. That's why when you stress, people go, hey, hey, take a breath, man. Yeah. Take a deep but breath. Literally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Take, take, take a deep breath. breath. People yeah, should do that at breath. least a couple times a day. Yeah. Just take a breath. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> well, dude, I'm so happy to have you here, bro. Thank yeah, you so thank much you, for man. coming. Thanks for sharing your story. Dude, your story is amazing. Very Thanks, inspirational. Um, you know, for me, I've found a lot of inspiration from your story. And also, I'm sure people who are listening and in your viewers uh, and your listeners, bro, we got to get you on video, man. We, we get, tell Sean to get some cameras in there and get them going All because right, well, now you inspired me, bro. Yeah, yeah. You got inspired, w- watch what happens from this. That that uh, that'll uh, that'll help with my content too. Yeah, I mean, just you know, having to produce every day. Clips. Yep. You know, but yep. that's that's one thing, dude. I wanted to build my Instagram following, so I hired a coach, and uh, it was last October. I had four thousand eight hundred. No, yeah, four thousand eight hundred followers. Yeah. And I said, dude, I need to start building more of a brand. I want to do a lot of different things. And I want, and he was like, okay, cool. So you got to post every single day, no matter what. And if, if possible, post twice a day. And I was like, nah, people are going to get bugged with that. Well, every single day, dude. And just finding your message and finding your message. And now I'm at 21.5, all organic from 4,008 to. Wow. And, and it's hard to build a following on Instagram now. Yeah. I don't know why I shared that other than the fact of like, if you want something, you have to like. Oh, I can't just post twice a week and get a big yeah. following. He's like, no, every single day you got to learn the art of hashtags. You got to learn the art of like, what are people finding? Like, and tell the truth. Do not be somebody different. He's a Gary. V- he used to my my coach who mentored me used to tra- personal train uh, George, uh, Gary V. Yeah, and he said, you know why Gary wins? Because Gary is the exact same fucking person on Instagram that he is in a training session with me that he is in his business. It literally doesn't change. He is the exact same dude. It's never it's never fake. It's never forced. And so anybody out there wanting to build a following, a post every day, and b be your fucking self. Like, do not try to be someone else. Yeah. Yeah. Be you. That's why I love this. And when you asked earlier, hey, can I swear in here? I'm like, yeah, you, this is a, a real podcast, right? <laughs> this isn't a censored podcast. We're not doing this for real estate. We're not. This is for entrepreneurs. This is real life. Um, but again, bro, thank you for coming here. Yeah, thank you. We'll guys. Give you a plug. Thank you. Let's thank give you, you a plug. Uh, Next Level Experience is the coaching that you guys are doing, correct? Yeah. Where, where can they find you at? Is it nextlevelexperience.com? No, no. It's the website is in construction. I launched this thing without even a website, bro, and sold oh all the gosh. spots. Dude, oh my gosh, dude, just go. So it's uh, it's almost done. I think it's called Your Next Level. Eh, don't quote me on that. I can't remember the URL. We ended up choosing. It's not the Next Level Experience, yeah. but um, I'll uh, I'll get that over to you. And yeah, uh, you to find out more information on that, you can just go to keynutrition.com right now and scroll down and click com. that. Cool. Um, but yeah, our coaches are great. Apply to any work with the coaches on there. My Instagram handle is at the Sober Bodybuilder, all one word. Uh, give me a follow on there, and uh, and our podcast iTunes. is the Key Nutrition Podcast on oh, all iTunes. platforms, I, iTunes, Spotify. I, there's like 15 Stitcher. I don't know. We're, <laughs> we're everywhere, dude. It's it's killing it. So yeah, guys, check that out. Uh, get a hold of Brad uh, for anything nowadays. He's doing everything: coaching, uh, nutrition coaching, nutropic coaching, <laughs> yeah, drug, yeah. drug dealing, whatever yeah, you want. Yeah. Whatever you want to do, get a hold of this guy. Okay, so how many ounces do you have? Let's let's baggy that up. <laughs> oh. Yeah, get a hold no of this guy. But dude, thanks, thanks again bro. for coming, bro. Thanks, Thank Alan, uh, my wonderful co-host, and uh, we'll see you guys in the next one. Bye bye. Who the fuck to trust to see my friend or my phone?